The views expressed on this broadcast of the Carol Ann Preston Show do not necessarily reflect KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. The hosts, co-hosts, and affiliates do not represent any particular 12-step program. I sit and wait as an angel Contemplate my fate Do they know the places where we go when we're gray and old? Cause I have been told that salvation lets their wings unfold. So when I'm lying in my bed, Thoughts running through my head And I feel that love is dead I'm loving angels instead And through it Oh, she offers me protection A lot of love and affection Whether I'm right or wrong And down the waterfall Wherever it may take me forsake me I'm loving angels instead Welcome to the Carol Ann Preston Show on Relationships, a weekly show exploring the challenges and opportunities we face with each other as we walk through recovery. Author, relationship counselor, and recovered alcoholic Carol Ann Preston shares her personal experience and professional insight as she answers your questions and reveals the solutions found in our spiritual journey of the 12 steps. And now, here's your host, Carol Ann Preston and the Monty Man. Hello, Carol. How are you today? I'm doing good. You have had uh, you have quite have had quite the experience this last week. You just uh, married a, a, a couple and uh, joined them in holy matrimony. That was pretty cool, huh? Oh, it was, it was just oh, that was awesome. Waiting up to it was pretty stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to a hurricane, and then we got no rain. So they give the weather, weather report. The last time we were on, we were talking about yeah. rain for the hurricane, and. Um, we were blessed, and uh, we well, we, we didn't get a drop of rain uh, because it went towards the east. And, and I pray right now for um, my fellow brothers and sisters east of us uh, mm-hmm. in Houston and in East Texas and over, I think, into Louisiana, um, Mississippi, and up in uh, northeast East Texas also. Uh, I have family members um, that... Uh, just got their power back on, so they went for over a week without power. Yeah, uh, right. about a week and a half. And and my brother is up in uh, northeast Texas, uh, almost to the uh, border of um, Louisiana, and and they got uh, just hit really hard. And and they had no power. Believe it or not, that far up. Uh, the hurricane really, really affected uh, those people. So we were blessed, and and uh, it just took a lot of time getting ready that mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
didn't need to, and then the last week spent uh, that time uh, doing the final preparations, uh, writing the ceremony, and, and preparing for that. So um, it was wonderful for those of you. Uh, I know we, we announced that I became, I am, I am ordained, I'm a licensed uh, minister uh, in the state of Texas, and and this was the first uh, wedding that that I have officiated, and it was my niece. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's you know it's kind of hard uh, emotionally to to detach, and it was God's spirit was just so present, and and the love that the couple um, have for each other, their willingness to grow, and and the time we spent in, in preparation. Um, so that the, the ceremony was really reflected who they are, why they are, and where they're going. And, and, and it was just beautiful. And, and the ironic thing, uh, for those of you who are at a place in your recovery where you're considering that you're at step two and you're mind mapping about who you want, you know, the things in your heart that, that you've hidden, because of fear, because what's not possible, maybe you were made fun of, and and it's your passion and your and your in your recovery now you're willing to own that, not knowing where God's going to take you, but you're willing to own that you love to write or you love to to be a comedian, you know, um, whatever. Uh-huh. And and I remember. When this all started, you know, gosh, 10 years ago, and I never in a million years imagined I would be officiating a wedding, ever. It was not mm. even in the scope of realization. No, funerals, memorial services have done that. Never imagined I'd do a wedding, mm-hmm. and it was just wonderful to, to write a ceremony because that's what I love to do is to write. And, and it was uh, my boss, when I was a resident chaplain, that told me, and I didn't know this. So for those of you who love to write, writing can be a spiritual gift. Mm. And he told me that when I wrote a memorial service, the eulogy for someone I did not know, a staff person, and someone else delivered it. And I told I said, don't tell anybody I wrote this. And, and you couldn't tell by his delivery. It sounded like he wrote it. He was very well-practiced. He did a great job. And my boss came up and said, did you write that? <laughs> <laughs> so I just thank you for the prayers, Monty. And my husband, you know, people do not, and I, and I talked to my husband about this, and this really goes into tradition, too, that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I could not do what I do. I could not be a chaplain. I could not be a writer. Um, I could not. The freedom that I have to serve God, to go where I am called, whether it was to the Olympics eight years ago in Sydney or to Zuni, New Mexico in, in 2001 to do a workshop, at our expense, and we've gotten to the point we can't do our expense anymore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we can't do it. We our expense is tapped out. Uh, we can't fund my uh, nope. ministry anymore. Um, is that my husband is the spiritual head of our home, and he supports 
everything that I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Now, now, hear me. Not everything I do, everything I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. And in discerning that together, I don't have a lot of wasted time. Yeah. And and he, I couldn't do it without his support, especially as a minister. Mm-hmm. You know that my husband is still the spiritual head of our home. Right. And and I follow when I need to. Uh, him. Mm-hmm. And and he leads us in prayer, and he's the go-to person. And and during the ceremony, during the, the this wedding, he was in the audience because he's a family member. Um, is is he is one the other half to me, and he is uh, he support. I could not stand up there as a married woman without the support of my husband. It would not happen. Sure. sure. It just it just wouldn't. And uh, you know, we were in. Um, I don't. I don't know if this is common in throughout the country, but uh, we were invited into a couples uh, AA. Well, it wasn't an AA meeting. It was a couples meeting, couples group that met uh, like once a month, uh, just for couples who were in recovery, mm-hmm. and we would meet at different people's houses, and whoever's, who, whoever hosted, they would have the topic of, of the meeting or whatever. <clears throat> and it was real interesting. One night, um, they passed around these, these questions. We filled them out. And one question, and there were about seven couples, and there was one question, and we all, you know, you answer your questions, and then you go around and you share your answers. And one question was, do you believe that the husband or the, of the, or the man is the spiritual leader of the home? And do you know how many people answered yes? Hmm, tell me. One couple. Really? Wow. Uh, and that was Ray and I. Huh. And they wanted to know why. And it was their perception about what that meant. Sure. He is not dominating. Mm-hmm. And as we look at tradition, too, it is we lead by serving. And we, it we, is service. And, and uh, before we get into that too deeply, I, I do want to, um, to take a break. But we're not going to pull away. You're not going to hear any music or anything like that. But we are going to do a little promo uh, talking about service. And a person who is the spiritual head of his home, Mr. Dick B., uh, is having a conference coming up. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, and I wanted to let the listeners know uh, right now, because otherwise I'm going to forget. Um, the National Recovery History Conference with Dick B., who is the, the foremost uh, historian on AA history in the world, yeah, uh, he lives in uh, Maui. He's going to be in Southern California on uh, October 10th through the 13th, and this conference. Uh, let me just tell you what it's going to what's going to happen. Carol, Friday, October 10th is going to be sharing questions one on one, where p- folks are going to be able to sit down with Dick uh, in a very informal setting at the Holiday Inn Express Room in Pasadena. California, and just talk with him one-on-one about uh, different historical issues and so forth. On Saturday, 
The topic is going to be AA's roots in the training of Bill W. and Dr. Bob in Vermont. The ideas the co-founders brought to the table at AA's Akron founding in June 1935 and the precise details and successes of the original old school AA program as summarized by Frank Amos in 1938. And then on Sunday, another chance to get together with Dick B and discuss the James Club groups and uh, how to put together a big book uh, Bible study group and still be a registered AA group. Um, and then uh, on Monday, the topic is going to be early AA study of the book of James, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and 1 Corinthians 13, which you and I know, Carol, is the basis <laughs> of Alcoholics Anonymous, those three areas of the Bible. And precise suggestions for organizing and conducting James Club and Big Book Bible study groups today, and still oh. being legitimate AA meetings, by the way. Wow. And, and the cost for this, Monty? There is no cost. It is absolutely free. It is held. Somebody's underwriting it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he's he, he's he's getting sponsorship, but okay. Uh, and they're ask they're asking for donations, of course. But there is no charge or registration fee for it. Admission is free. It's open to the public. The phone number to contact for more information is area code eight zero eight eight seven four four eight seven six. Say it one more time: eight zero eight eight seven four four eight seven six. Or you can go to dickb.com. And uh, you can get his phone number off there, too, and call him there as well. If you're in the Southern California area or you live down there or whatever during that time and uh, you happen to be curious about Alcoholics Anonymous, maybe you've got some misconceptions about uh, the true history of the fellowship, or you're just one of those history buffs or you're just curious, you, you got it. You can't miss this guy. This is He is recognized by AA members and the, the general service office and people all over the world as the number one AA historian. The guy has done massive research, has written over 33 books on the topic. Uh, so, folks, uh, check it out. You can follow my link here at take12radio.com as well to Dick's site for more information on that. Wow. what a, I, wow. I wish I was going to be down there during that time. Man, that'd be great. Yeah. And, and, of course, if you miss that, my friends, you can always tune in on Tuesday's show, the AA History Show, uh, as Dick hosts that show right here on Take 12 Radio as well. And Dick, awesome. Dick would be the first one to say, yes, the husband is the spiritual head of the household, <laughs> and it doesn't mean with an iron fist. He's a dictator. <laughs> yeah. And that's just it, is that he he represents Christ. Yep. And, and that is love and service and gentleness and kindness and truth. And, and, of course, I saw somebody say on the Emmys, uh, Dick Smothers, I think, said, truth is what you get other people to believe, which, you know what, <laughs> unfortunately, that is the truth. <laughs> you know, but the truth is, as we understand it, um, and, and, and our marriage reflects that. And um, it is not about, um, you know, uh, women, you know, women's live, I'm, you know what, women, I was, I'll support, you know, the empowerment of women. It does not need to be done so at the disempowerment of men. Mm. And, and I walk side by side by my husband. And my husband respects and honors me. And, and if you look at, and in the, in scripturally is, is how Christ treats the church. Right. You know, is how a husband treats his wife. 
not with, you know, hateful, arrogant, what do you, you know, where's my stuff, why haven't, you know, but with gentleness and kindness mm-hmm. and love and, and, and support yeah. and affirmation and, um, and service. I mean, my husband um, went out a Friday night. Uh, he knew that I wanted to get the car washed and while I was uh, relaxing after the rehearsal Friday night, he went out to get himself uh, something to eat, and I was just like, I need some downtime. And he went and he washed the car. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, did he do so because I told him to? No. He did it because he knew it mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And, and he, told, he said, you didn't actually think I was going to let us drive up in, in a car that was that dirty and I'm like no but <laughs> you know I mean he does things um, there's that there's mutual respect and at some point in a family and tradition to talks about this um, one it, it, it can't be run like a job it's, it's not a business neither could AA and it says in tradition too it had to be better than that Mm-hmm. Uh, when Bill was approached to um, go to work for a hospital and, and take that into a professional thing, and and it had to be above that. And as a um, as a, a family that reflects the spiritual values, um, as we are Christians, then our lives need to reflect that as the truth, and so there are certain things that may be socially acceptable, but we have to rise above that, or beyond, go beyond that. I don't like to say above that, because people go, oh, you think you're better than that. Go beyond that and stick to living the principles. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to money, this is where it can, money and making your kids, you, you think you can make your kids do what you want them to do. And, and last time we ended with talking about having family meetings, you know, um, who is uh, the ultimate authority, and their ha- you know, which is God, and where as a couple you can do this, or as a single parent you can do this, or a single person. And, and then it got to about the kids. And, and let me tell you something, there has to be a a final, who is, at, at some point, the final go-to person in the family? Who is that? That would be the husband in our family. Right. Or, or the single parent. Who has the final say that is that takes this role as a role of service, mm-hmm. okay? Not as a role of of domination or professionalism on the boss right and that's what this tradition talks about Let, let's read this tradition real quick because I, I got an email the other day that says you guys never read the tradition so i want to <laughs> i want to read real quick okay go for, ahead. for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving god as he may express himself in our group conscience our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern so we are on this last sentence our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern right the reason is because they're actually in this in the 12 and 12 there are more pages written about this last sentence than there is the first okay Mm -hmm. we have worked worked the 12 steps and have had a spiritual awakening 
we have um, a relationship, um, a committed relationship with a loving God, and now we're taking this relationship um, into our families, and as he may express himself in our group consciousness, within our family, within this couple, within the head of the home, as he may express himself in our family meetings. Because sometimes kids can see things, let me tell you, in family meetings, kids can see things for the simplicity and the truth for what, for what it is. Mm-hmm. They can just go around all of the fluff and the BS and just go, it is what it is. <laughs> you know what? Um... You borrowed money without asking, Dada. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not okay. You know? Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, decisions about moving. You know, some people think, well, why should I take my kids into account? And again, we always remember that when we're dealing with our children, it's age appropriate. Okay? Yeah. Uh, There was a time when um, we needed to move because I did not have the money to pay the home, the place we were renting their um, deductible for their homeowner's insurance for some damage that, that was done uh, by a family member <laughs> accidentally. You know, in 36 hours before we have to move, I didn't know where we were moving. And, and I had found a place, but I was waiting for them to approve my application. And 24 hours... I knew. Now, did I need to go tell my 10- and 12-year-old children this? No. No. They knew we were moving. They knew this school they would be going to, more than likely. But they weren't sure. I didn't know where. And and it wasn't until now. My son is 30 years old, and he's, you know, they're moving. And I said, you know, remember this? I said, 24 hours before we moved. The manager said, your credit's approved. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to sign it and reduce the rent by like $300 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's got to be age appropriate. And um, when it gets to um, on page uh, 134 and 135, it talks about uh, we, our trusted servant. We are but trusted servants. Okay, our leaders are but trusted servants. And it's like, okay, well, how do we do that in a family? How is my how is my role in my family? How am I a trusted servant? I am if I'm managing our finances. I am I'm managing it so because I'm a trusted servant. I am trusted with the responsibility to make sure that I'm managing it, not to make sure I get everything I want but as a trusted servant to our family so that our needs are met, okay? Right. So I don't need to go out, <clears throat> out on a uh, <clears throat> shopping binge. You know, we, ha- we have now boundaries around our finances. I, I know I've talked about when Ray and I did a financial inventory is that we made a decision that when, it, when he, if he gets a bonus, that before we go spend that, we sit down and we, uh, we've we already made our list of priorities of what needs to be paid for or purchased, and that has to go. That's how we do it, because what we used to do was called makeup spending. 
<laughs> that we've talked yep. about. <laughs> All right, where it feels good, I haven't been able to spend any anything in a long time on anything but necessities. Now I have some extra, and I want to feel better. And and the traditions continually challenged the original AA founders to rise above and go beyond what is acceptable, okay? Uh And and they even said when they said, you know, we have to be better than this. So as a trusted servant, I manage the finances in a way that is taking care of my entire family, and that includes me. And that includes, like, we can no longer support the work that I do, okay? We've Mm -hmm. reached the point that we can't do that anymore. Right. Okay? Yep, just like us. So if someone wants me to come to a workshop, they have to pay my expenses. I can't, I used to do that. I no longer can't. Our family no longer can pay the price. Okay? Mm -hmm. Another way, and, and some people may think this is just like so silly, but it's not, is when I do the laundry. Okay, whoever does the laundry in the family, and if your kids are tall enough to reach the washer and dryer buttons, they are old enough to do their own laundry. <laughs> and people are going, what? They were wrinkled close to school. Well, you know what? Then they will get those clothes out of the dryer and fold them or hang them up fast. You know, they're social repercussions. Once mm-hmm. we teach them how to do it, you don't just throw it to them, but you teach them how to do it, teach them how to do a better job and it's like if you ask your kids you include them in household chores like saturday until three o'clock we are doing household chores house and yard and here here's everybody's chores now if you ask your 10 year old to dust the furniture or to sweep or vacuum the floor you do so, and this is part of this tradition, and you're probably going, why, how? Well, it talks about the bleeding deacons, mm-hmm. and it talks about the elder statesmen. These are the people that start the, the group, and, and, and they've gotten some people sober, and the elder statesman sees the wisdom he's gotten past being a bleeding deacon, thinking he's the only one who can do it right. So he starts trusting the newcomer with responsibilities, and he doesn't go behind them correcting them. So his parents, 10-year-old, back in the floor, and I'm not going to go behind you and redo it because I trust you to learn, and I trust that as you grow, you will do a better job. The same principle in this tradition in an AA group with newcomers, we ask them to, you know, at six months, chair a meeting, make the coffee. Not the, not the one who founded the group, who is, I call them the king bee and the queen bee, where, you know, they sit on their throne and they dictate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not passing on what one has learned to empower those who follow, because we're going to die. Yeah. And if I'm holding the knowledge of how to manage finances at home, how to, how to take care of clothes, you know, my kids are going to go to college, and actually they did, and do you know how many other kids did not know how to do their own laundry? 
Hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they did. Mm-hmm. You know, so this principle, this tradition at home is, okay, I do the laundry. And when I iron, and people are going, you iron? Yes, I iron, because it is an unnecessary expense for us and things to the cleaners, and actually now we live in such a small town, we don't have a cleaner. (laughs) 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 But when I iron, I have for years, when I iron... And my husband loves to put on his business shirts because he knows that when I've ironed those shirts, I put so much love in those shirts. I want him to do this is service, not a servant. I'm serving him. I'm loving him by by taking care of so that he can work, that he gets in his closet, and he has clean, pressed clothes. So that when he needs to travel, he just has to open his drawers, and there's clean, folded clothes. And do you know how loved he feels? Yeah. Do you know how supported he feels? It's kind of like a behind-the-scenes, and that's what the elder statesman knows, that I can step back and I can actually, by my example be still and lead by love and service by who I am. And the kids or the family members, they watch. And and they see, God, when mom or dad, when they make a mistake, I hear them admit it and make amends. They don't know what admit that, but I hear them admit it. So must be okay for them to admit when they're wrong. So, okay, I've made a mistake, and 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 they don't scream and yell at me, and, and they don't hit each other. So I can trust that I can tell them I cheated on a test at school, and I'm really scared, and I don't know what to do. And they're not going to react. Right. They're going to guide me. And they're not processing this thinking they they come to know that because in this house is a house of peace and order not a house of chaos and crisis mm-hmm. and when there's financial stress and I want to mention this because I know that with the uh, with the economy with you know our country is really in probably the most vulnerable, and this is my opinion, so throw it in the trash if you want, the most vulnerable position in every area I, in my entire, in my life, in 51 years, uh, from the military to our financial to our spiritual, everything. We are more vulnerable than we've ever been. I agree. 100%. And it is my biggest concern is the trickle-down effect, how it works in our government, it works in our homes, is the stress, that's why, I mean, when the stress trickles down at home, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like you go home and, and you yell at the wife, the wife yells at the kids, and the kids get the dog. Mm-hmm. There is another way 
and we cling to. So if, if you're like, okay, what is it? It's like go back to prayer meditation. It cannot be an option when you have time or things are peaceful. If you want a peaceful home, make it a peaceful home. If you want a family of trust, then, then create one. But you know what? It's got to be founded on God, and it has to be the spiritual principles we're living. Because Not we can't, options based no. on conditions. Because we can't. It has to be founded on God because we know that we, by, by ourselves, we're powerless over our own stinking emotions when we get off of work and things didn't go well that day. And fear. That, you know, if, I, if I'm not praying to a power greater than myself to straighten out my attitude before I pull in the driveway, I'm leaning on my own power, and guess what? I am going to yell at the kids. Right. And you know what? They're going to go find somebody to take it out on. You know, and, and, and um, in this tradition, it, it, on page 136, it, it, there's a sentence that says, Three years ago when my head doctor, Silkworth, began to tell me of the idea of helping drunks by spirituality. Okay? Mm -hmm. We've got to not forget, or we've got to remember, our foundation is founded on a spirituality and our relationship with God. And it's not based on conditions. Yeah. So regardless of how long you've been in recovery, the conditions of our life cannot determine whether I get up and have prayer and meditation, whether I talk to God on throughout the day and I have this committed relationship and continue to grow. Because if I don't, the big book tells me I'm going to drink again. Mm -hmm. And this family that I'm trying to practice, this tradition in my personal life, is I'm not a dictator, and I don't run my relationship like a business. And, and for those of you who have worked in the field of counseling, therapy, or been in therapy for years, I know you have heard this. I know it. I know it. <laughs> is when you've had a conversation with a significant other or loved one, is you hear back, don't talk to me like a therapist. Don't therapy. Yeah. We have to be so, and they we're like, what are you talking about? I don't know another way to talk. We, you know, they, no one wants to be talked down to, and, and we have to really be careful that we don't run our families like a business and that we don't talk down to them or therapy talk our family members or think, oh, I have spirituality now if y'all just get it. Mm -hmm. It'd be okay. Now you can't tell your wife or husband. You know what? I think uh, I think you need to work a step on your resentment today. Yeah, uh, is that isn't going to fly. Way to say it, that isn't going to fly in the house. No, now, there's another way to say it, and 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 I did share with someone to, uh, at at the wedding who's uh, has a family member in treatment is that the big book encourages that the entire family pick up the same set of spiritual tools. The same set, mm -hmm. so that we're on the same page. We may not be in the same place, but we're working towards the same thing, which is unity. Well, and biblically too, Carol, you know, it talks about not being unequally yoked, and I think that's exactly the deal. I mean, if you've got two people, if you've got a husband and wife, and they're going in two completely different spiritual directions, you have yeah, got it's a, like a rubber band you're going to break. You, yeah, you got you got a uh, you got a recipe for total chaos. 
white. Yeah. And and not, and another thing that and it does say we have to be better than this when when the the newly sober people were telling Bill, you know, they were honest with him, which it takes, you know, sometimes the head of the home or the you know, the, we need to, you know, we have to be honest with one. We practice the principles in our family. And um you know, and, and back back to the kids is you don't we can't control them. We give them choices. We empower them. We trust them. We trust that um, as we teach them, and we trust them with the vacuuming and with the doing their laundry, and we don't correct them. What we're doing is we're building their confidence and. They, hey, I can do this. And you know what? When they grow up and they move out of the house, they'll be able to take care of the house. And guess what? Come help me cook dinner. Now, if they do, if they do, <laughs> if they do what they're doing, if they're doing, you know, let's let's take the vacuuming thing for instance. And they, uh, you know, it's real tempting, especially the first time. Oh yeah. When you give the kid, and, and, and he doesn't get in any of the corners, he doesn't get under the table, he doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, the temptation is to say, here, let me have it, and I'll do it. Right. You know, and then the kid feels like, oh, well, then obviously I'm not good enough, you know. Right. And, and, and I think one it of the things... dependence. One of the things not that's worked for... Dependence, uh, but creates right. unhealthy dependence. One of the things that work, worked in that area, in, in just looking at the vacuuming thing, was letting, letting uh, uh, Colin, our youngest, say, well, Colin, check it out, you you finished vacuuming. Now, why don't you go back and look and see how you did and let him discover right. where where he missed. Yeah. You know, now Cameron, little stinker, he'll, he might see where he, where he missed and go, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know? Well, <laughs> Colin, on the other hand, though. There can be laziness. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, Colin. Know, I'm just going to Col- do it. So there's an yeah. accountability. So how sure. do you set it up? At the family meeting or when you say, here are your right, responsibilities? Right, right. Is it, there's a time to check in yeah. with, okay, you're doing a really good job. Right, and sure. And because of that, here's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, I want you to think about this, mm-hmm. but I suspect that you know, or tell me how you think you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm doing okay. Okay, you know what, I hear what you're saying. But I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think you know that mm-hmm. you're much more capable of doing a better job of dusting yeah. or making the bed. See, that's not, not shaming. for perfection. That's, that's not shaming the child at all. Right. It, that, that's it's not. holding each other accountable and, and reflecting back like a mirror. And mm-hmm. Does this fit? You know, I really think you're capable of making the bed a little better, or, you know, putting the sheets on instead of hiding them and sleeping on top of your comforter. I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've noticed <laughs> that you don't even sleep under the covers because you don't want to make the bed. <laughs> this is a spirit of laziness, and mm-hmm. this is not the spirit that you have. So I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to ask you to reflect on this. Are you being the most honest with yourself and reflecting the best 
of who you are and what you do because what you do here you're going to carry into the, your job or into school and and if you're okay with this I'm concerned mm-hmm. if you're okay with just doing a half-hearted effort you know we need to talk about this and I'd like for you to think about what this is about and then let's set a time Tuesday at 6 o'clock to talk about this. So you think about it, and and then I want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you have to say. Because if they're doing half of what they can do at home, they're doing half at school, mm-hmm. they're going to do half, their, their work ethic is going to be half of a work ethic, there's something going on. And, and it's different than their learning, which is what the bleeding deacons don't want anyone to learn. They want to stay in control. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fear is, is that, and parents have this fear too, if my kids are not dependent but become interdependent within this family and they don't come to me and I don't create a depend an unhealthy dependency or I try and break it, then they're never gonna call me. They're never gonna ask me for help. They're not going to need me. And a mother and a father does is afraid of that. And it's a fear. It is not a reality. If you live a life that is respectful, that is admirable that is that gives your 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 people are proud i'm proud to be part of this family i'm proud of it you know everybody's a little different but we love each other and we listen to each other we honor each other and i'm proud of this family and they will call you mm-hmm. when they leave home and they need you Yes, they and will. If they're hurting, they will call you. I promise they will. If you have something they want, not and I'm not talking money, I'm talking character. If they respect you. Now, if you have a, a marriage and they grow up seeing that you have multiple affairs, you... Um, uh, disrespect each other financially. You think they're going to call you? You think they're going to come to you? No. They're going to turn to somebody at school. And they're going to listen to peers, which they do anyway, but they're not going to trust you because yeah. they don't respect you. And they have in the core of who, in their gut, and my sponsor used to say, Carol, your gut will not lie to you. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, my emotions, my thinking, everything was just kind of just crazy for a long time. And she's like, listen to your gut. I'm like, what is that? She's like, right here. When it's all bunched up, pause. When agitated or doubtful, pause. But your gut, when your gut is saying this is wrong, if listen, your gut won't lie to you. And kids are so in tune with their gut that they know when something's not right, when you sit down to dinner and no one's talking, mm-hmm. that scares them. 
Yeah. Because they don't know what's going on. And you know what kids are the most afraid of is their parents splitting off. They're not afraid of of moving necessarily. They're not afraid of, okay, mom and dad's lost a job. Kids live in the now. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want their parents to split up. Yeah. They want you to have a healthy, loving marriage. They want to bring their friends home. You know, so do you have a home that your kids want to come home to? Is it a dictatorship or is it where God expresses himself in a, in, within your family and, and, and the leaders are trusted servants? They guide, they don't govern. That's a family a child wants to be part of and bring their kid friends home to. You know, uh, Focus on the Family did a study here recently um, about the number one reason children stop going to church when they move out of the home. You know what it was? What? It wasn't the preacher. It, w- it wasn't even the hellfire and brimstone that, that, that we sell them here anymore, but that some complain about in the program. Oh, I was raised with hellfire. I was going to go to hell. I'm like, who told you that? And they never can tell me. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the church. It wasn't things going on in the church. It was that they saw their parents living one way in church and another way at home. And that's and, why they didn't right. go back. Yep. Yep. And also, and, and I want to throw this in, is that we all, part of growing up and part of growing up spiritually is to question. Is to question our beliefs. Now, to question doesn't mean we throw the baby out with bathwater. Right. Okay. To have room to grow means we question. And as we become adults and as our kids become teenagers, they question, is, do I believe this? And and, And to live in an environment where questioning is okay with guidance Mm -hmm. to the solution. You know, so that they can uncover and discover God speaking to them and Jesus, if, it, if Jesus chooses to reveal himself to their heart, is we provide an environment so that they, questioning is like, you know, when they're like, you know, I'm not real sure if Jesus is the son of God. It's like, you know what, I'm glad you're, you're telling me this because for you to question tells me that you're moving from what I believe to discover what you believe. And that is an opportunity for this child to have a personal relationship with God. Yeah, because it's got to be their it's got to be their own. At some point, you've got to take ownership of your own belief system. That's right. And yeah. that happens by questioning, so sometimes parents go, oh, my kids don't think, they don't believe this, and they, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. They still go with you. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you, if you read the family Bible, or if you read uh, sacred literature, or if you pray together, you continue those things. Right. And for them to question is just like newcomers. Think about it. Like newcomers, mm-hmm. we let them question and we trust God. Mm-hmm. Unless we're a bleeding deacon and we think we need to control them and tell them what to think. Right. You know, and then they never go to the big book for themselves. So our kids no. never go to, you know, in our family, it would be the Bible. 
I love what what one of my friends in the program says just about at the end of every time he shares. He says, and don't believe me, check it out. Yep. Check it out. Read it. Open it up. Read it. And that would be a great family meeting. Yeah. You know, that would be another wonderful family meeting is to, if you can imagine, is, you know, write down what is the family you want to have? What does it look like? Mind map it. Put family. What is our? What is it your heart's desire for your family? What is it you want it, the environment? What do you want it to be? What do you want it to feel like? I want my kids to bring their friends home. Okay, well, what kind of environment is that? Well, not where they can have free access to booze or the pills, yeah. but where <laughs> they know they're not going to be you know, where, okay, do you want a snack, or their parents are at home, or, hey, great, you're going to make poster boards, you know, do you need me to take you up to the store so y'all can get your supplies? You know, where they are welcomed, and they feel that their friends are welcomed instead of, what are you doing bringing people here? Mm-hmm. You know, there are closed families, and they don't want people bringing people yeah. in because I... they don't want somebody coming in. And right yeah. now, I would encourage people to pray for God to surround your home with divine protection so that the conditions of this life do not adversely impact your personal relationships within your family that it be a family that expresses love and encouragement and peace and is free of shame and humiliation and is a safe haven to return to mm-hmm. after the kids go to school, to daycare, or to return to after work. Your home is safe. And with God as the foundation, Even lighting a candle represents the spirit, the light that comes from Christ. And that light can light up the darkest hours that the conditions that many of us are experiencing. No matter what, and and if you look at the news and you see so many, and I'm proud to be a Texan, i got to tell you, that there are so many people who are doing, who don't have electricity, who have nothing. And they, the other day I saw on the news, there were more, almost more people volunteering to help than there were people lining up to receive help. Mm, that that's great. By this hurricane. Yeah. That is the spirit that this wonderful state of Texas. I know we can be a little arrogant at times, but, <laughs> you know, when it comes to a neighbor needing its neighbor and a community coming together, you will, I've never seen it happen as I've seen and experienced it happening when things like the hurricane that came through has happened, the looting and all that, and the crime, you know, their people are helping each other. We... We, we need each other. We are a family of human beings created by God. 
Amen. We are there for each other, and but we got to be there at home first. Yeah. So we practice yeah. meetings. That's what my sponsor used to say. When it says practice the principles, we practice in the meeting with people we don't know, people we don't like, and we'll practice tolerance and love. And I go home, and I practice at home. The same principles. Good stuff. Good stuff. The second tradition. We've gone through the first. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on AA unity and how that is applied to our family. If you'd like to listen to that, that was also a two-part show, folks. Um, just click on the little post. It's P-O-S-T-S link there on the podcast. It'll bring up um, a list of shows. Also, the first half of this uh, particular tradition, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience was the first half. And, of course, in this show, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. <laughs> boy, you, you, you tell some, some kids that, and they'd say, boy, not in my home. They rule with an iron <laughs> fist, boy. You know, and that's just, you, you remember the old Jackie Gleason show with, yep. with, you know, to the moon, Alice. You know, I mean, and, I, and we would laugh at that. And it's not funny. No, it's it's not, tragic. Not it's not safe. No, and and you know we call we 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 affectionately call uh, some forms of t- uh, of undergarments wife beaters, and I'm like, what? You know the sleeveless uh, t-shirts uh, that that some men wear as as underwear, and and I'm like, they're called what? Oh, is that what they are? Oh yeah, yeah, they're I've called wife beaters. That. You know, I have, I do, I have, a, I have a really big concern, and I really would like to be part of creating change um, um, as it affects with with the conditions of our country. Please vote, please. If you're yeah. not registered to vote, um, you have until October third. Please register to vote for this uh, upcoming yeah. presidential election. We are in a crisis. If you don't and- vote, if you don't vote. You're somebody fighting. else is somebody else is going to be voting well, in, your, in your place. Not going to be part of the solution. Yeah, yeah, you got to vote. You, you, you and and vote. I really, really want to be part of um, because I do see this trickle down effect into families um, where there is, uh, you know, the addiction is just completely off the grid. Yeah. Of, of our community leaders and, and our government, as as well as domestic violence. And when the conditions are such as they are, this is where it trickles down to is into mental and emotional and spiritual health. Yeah. And and we've got to do something to take care of ourselves, and we've got to take care of who we are to get through this difficult time. Yeah. So please Good word. Good Not word. Know, but please vote. Know <laughs> who you're voting for. <laughs> Yeah, do your homework. Please don't don't limit your education to the media. Please don't do that. Or what someone tells you. Or what someone tells you because I, you know, first of all, somebody can tell you that what they believe is the absolute truth, and any of us will. And about twenty five percent of what we're sharing is probably going to be inaccurate because we're right. human. So take somebody that's intentionally trying to distort it. You know, you got you got to use your head and think. And everything you see on TV is not the truth. No, <laughs> I mean, like the guy said, the truth is what you can convince somebody else it is. And you know, and and I've been really praying about. It. Believe it or not, I've really been praying. I know it's one vote, but I have just been praying 
and if and, and believe it, I, I mean, it was really wonderful, Wandy, because the I I, I kind of knew what I what I needed to do and, and mm-hmm. how I needed what needed to change in for me, and the after the confirmation of the change that I needed to make and my support came. Hmm. So if you're not sure what to do, pray and ask God for guidance and for uh, confirmation. Yeah. And and it will come. Yeah. And and take your vote literally as as it matters and and please vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we are out of time. Once again, a wonderful show, more enlightening stuff. Uh, great practical application and implementation of the traditions in our personal life. Thank you, Carol. You're welcome. And, and listeners, I'm working on getting all this on iTunes, so um, we'll announce that when that's done. All right. Excellent. Well, my friends, until our next broadcast of the Carol Ann Preston Show on Relationships which will be Tradition 3. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. How in the world can you apply that in your personal life? We'll find out next week as we return more with Carol Ann Preston. Bye-bye now. Bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.